Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. There, that's better. Welcome to everyone on this beautiful day. Sun shining. And don't think a thing about what they're talking about tomorrow, okay? Just focus right here. Love that song, Honey from the Rock, and let's, let's pray that the Lord will do that this morning. Give us some honey from the rock, and I want you to turn to the rock of God's Word, that we can build our lives upon that rock, and that is a statement by Jesus found in Matthew chapter 7. So would you turn there in your Bibles this morning, Matthew chapter 7. Grateful for our guests today, those who are joining with us, and we can, are continuing here a series this morning that we've been in for some weeks, going through this incredible message of Jesus, known for the centuries as the Sermon on the Mount. And so this morning, Matthew chapter 7 has some real honey from the rock for us, and it has a rock-like quality for us to build our lives upon. Not long ago, Susan, my wife, was telling a young man here about how when we moved here and the first many years that we were here to find our way around Knoxville, we had to use street maps and we had to have a street map in the car all the time. Have you ever noticed how the same street in this area changes names several times. That was, that was really great. But Susan was telling this young man about how we had street maps, and he said, what are those? <laughs> and Susan said, seriously? And she explained what a st street map was. And he said, I've never heard of those before. And so Susan being Susan, she went and found one. <laughs> Took her a few days and brought it to him and said, here, this is a street map. This is what we use to find our way around. And... <laughs> He took that like he was looking at an artifact from some kind of museum piece. What did we ever do before we had GPS devices? But even our most sophisticated GPS, global positioning systems, are sometimes fallible. You know that? A few years ago, I was amazed to read the story about a, a Delta flight on its way to Cincinnati, flying through rough weather, but it still made a safe landing. The only problem was it landed in Lexington, Kentucky, rather than Cincinnati, Ohio, and Word got out about that, and of course, Delta took a lot of heat for that. They were, it was said, Delta has a new motto, Delta gets you close. <laughs> <laughs> Some, someone else said, Delta stands for don't even leave the airport. <laughs> no. Now... For all those who have Delta employees or you're an employee, that's just a, that's just a, a little story, okay? Don't, don't, don't worry yourself about an email or anything like that. That'd be fine. Do you know there's only one infallible GPS? The only infallible GPS is God's positioning system. This book can tell you exactly where you are, exactly where you're going. It can tell you where God wants you to go and how to get there. This is God's GPS. 
And this morning, we're listening to Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. He's starting to bring it to a conclusion. And he shares what is actually at the core, the very heart of God's positioning system for the people who are his followers. Jesus shared in one brief statement the essence of the positioning system that should guide us every day of our lives. One verse, God's GPS. Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Would you pray with me just for a moment? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we have your global positioning system, your eternal word. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior, who is the word incarnate. We thank you that he spoke your word. And Lord, I pray now that by the Holy Spirit, you will speak this word fresh and new to our hearts. Some of us here have heard it hundreds of times. Living Lord, make it alive to us today. May it speak to us, revealing where we are, guiding us in the way that we should go. May we listen, not to my voice, but to your voice, speaking through the words of your Son, Jesus Christ. Guide us in truth, Spirit of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, this is probably the best-known statement Jesus ever made. If he's known for any statement, it's this statement. It has been so quoted. It has been so admired worldwide throughout the centuries. This statement has been quoted and admired but quite often, let's just be honest, we hear this statement of Jesus and it is very easy for us to think, isn't it? Oh, what a lovely thought. What an amazing expression. And then maybe we might start thinking, wouldn't it be nice if people could just live by this statement of Jesus. And then before you know it, we maybe even drift without even defining a thought in our minds into something like this. But you know, we live in the real world. Sure we do. We live in the real world and this just isn't practical. It's just not the way the world works. It's just not practical. My friend, may I remind you, remind myself this morning, that Jesus did not give any of his commands to be practical for us. He gave them to be practiced by us. His commands are our commission. What he is, has commanded, we are to carry out. And so this, this morning, I know that we have heard this since we were little ones, many of us, as the golden rule. And it is. 
We'll comment on that. But how I want us to think about it this morning is under this heading, our Lord's golden commission. Not just a golden rule, but it's a golden commission for our life. Let's look at it that way, shall we? Now let's begin, first of all, by noticing here the responsibilities of this commission. The responsibilities of this commission. Jesus said this, So whatever you wish that others do to you, do also to them. Now this has been called by some people the Mount Everest of ethics. If you want to have the highest level of personal ethics, this is the Everest of ethics. In fact, there's no other statement like this that has ever been made in any other religion in the known history of the world. You see, I can say that because of what Jesus did not say, but some people hear him say. What did Jesus not say? Jesus did not say this. He did not say, do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. That's not what Jesus said. That's been said by many teachers and philosophers over the centuries. There were Greek and Roman philosophers that taught just that. Do not do to someone else what you wouldn't want them to do to you. Buddha taught that. Confucius taught that. Even some of the great rabbis of Judaism, even in Jesus' day, said that very thing. Do not do unto others what you would not want them to do to you. And sadly, what has happened, there are professing Christians who hear this commission this way. And so their attitude is this. That's right. I'm going to live my life this way. I'm not going to do anything to anyone I wouldn't want them to do to me. And friend, listen, there's no merit in that whatsoever. Pagans practice that. You can stay in your home all the time and practice that if you're alone in your home. There's, that's... There's no Christianity in that because Christianity is Christ, right? We should never, listen, we should never be satisfied with a faith that is expressed in what we don't do. I'm a follower of Jesus, so I don't do that. That's noble. That's wonderful. That's obedient to Scripture at times. But that is only the beginning of being a follower of Jesus. Jesus commissioned us to something more than to be inactive in doing evil. He commissioned us something more than being reactive when evil is done to us. What Jesus commissioned us to, what he is saying here, is we are to be proactive in doing good. Proactive, just as he was. The apostle Peter said of Jesus, he was a man who went about doing good, healing all people who were oppressed by the evil one. Jesus went about doing good. Yes, there are great responsibilities to this golden commission. It's, it's not neutral. 
It's not just not reactive, but it is proactive. Proactive. But now I want you to think with me for a moment. These are the responsibilities, but let's think about the great results, okay? Let's think about the great results when we carry out this golden commission. Now listen again to Jesus share the great results. Verse 12, again. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now notice there's, there's two great results here to living by this golden commission. Number one, when we live by this golden commission, it fulfills God's law. It fulfills God's law, what he's called us to do. What did Jesus say? For this is all the law and the prophets. When Jesus said the law and the prophets, everyone in that context on that hillside that day knew what he meant. The law and the prophets meant everything in the Jewish scriptures at that time. Everything from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi. It meant all the scriptures are fulfilled in this. It meant, by inference, all the responsibilities. So Jesus is saying this. Don't, don't think I've come to destroy the law. I've not come to destroy it. I've come to what? Fulfill it. Now he says to his disciples who follow him, this is the way that you're going to fulfill all responsibilities to God is by living out this golden commission. We call it the golden rule because it fulfills all the other rules. All the other rules. Here's a great thought for you, my friend. Not because it comes from me. It comes from the Lord Jesus. Listen to what he's saying. If we live by the golden rule, what this means, listen, if we live by the golden rule, you can throw away the rule book. Does that mean you throw away the Bible? Absolutely not. What did Jesus say? This is the fulfillment of God's law. The law and the prophets. His will. His call for us. It's fulfilled not in rules and regulations. It's fulfilled in this commission. To do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. You see... This would have been amazing to the people listening to Jesus. Because the rabbis at that time had so many rules. So many rules. They Actually, at that time, there was a rabbi who said they had counted all the rules. And there were 613 of them. Interesting. He said 365 of them are negative, don't do this. Someone as well said the religious leaders at that time had a no for every day. <laughs> 613 rules. And Jesus said, no, you don't need a rule book. Just live by this rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now think about the great result. I want you to think about the great result. If we actually, by the grace of God and with his help, seek to live this way. Not, not, we will not do it perfectly. But if we seek and ask the Lord... 
And pray, and isn't it interesting, this statement of Jesus comes after what he's just taught on prayer. If we ask the Lord Jesus to help us to try to live by this golden commission, what are some of the results going to be? Well, the big result is this. Not only is it going to fulfill the law of God, it's going to fill our lives. Our lives are going to be full. What did Jesus say? I've come to give you what? Life. And to give it to you even more abundantly. Jesus didn't say, I've come to give you rules. Because you've got to be careful you don't start having fun because my father didn't like that. Knock it off. No, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, a life that is really worth living now and forever. Eternal life. Eternal life is not life after you die. Eternal life is life now and forever. Amen. Present tense. And Jesus said, this is a golden key that unlocks you to a life that you will really be thrilled to live. You say, well, you know, Sam, we're in church. And again, I expect you to say churchy things like that. Okay. Let's think about it. Think about the impact of just applying this commission of Jesus to your everyday life. Let's think about a few areas. What would it do to your prayer life? If you began praying for others the way you'd want them to pray for you. Wow. What would it do with, about your generosity? When you began giving to others in need as you would want them to give to you in need. Think about that. What, what would this do to your everyday conversation if you spoke to people the way you would want them to speak to you? Or when they weren't present, you said about people what you'd want them to say about you. Do you think that would change our conversations any? What about your relationships? What do you, what do you, what do you think? You know, I'm sure a person who lives by this golden commission do unto others as you would have them do unto you. A poor guy like that has no friends. Oh, yeah. What if we proactively said, I'm not going to stand around one minute more stewing in my negativity, waiting for someone to be my friend. But I determined by the grace of God, I am going to start treating people the way I would want to be treated. Man, you'll have a parade of friends. That is following Jesus. What would this do to your career? Oh, you say it'd trash it. Would it? It might. If you, if you work for a company that would be upset that you do good... It might be something to consider about a career change. But I think it's just the opposite. I remember years ago, I, I read this article. And I know 
People thought I'd lost my mind. I can't remember where I was reading exactly, but I laughed out loud. It was a story of a man from here in Tennessee. He got a job with a company selling copiers. And as he entered that job, he had heard, read, been impacted by this statement of Jesus. And here's what he decided. As a sales representative for this company, Lord, I want you to help me to go out and to see every client, every person I call upon as an opportunity to do good to them regardless of whether they're interested in my product or not. He actually prayed that. After three months, they had their quarterly sales gathering. It was his first one. Sales manager went around asking how many people sold copiers. In the history of the company, because they were expensive equipment, no one had ever sold more than three copiers in a quarter. They came to this new employee and said, and how have you done? And he kind of shyly said, 19. <laughs> what? 19 copiers. <laughs> what kind of presentation did you use? What was your lead in? What, what, was, what was the hook? Well, I just tried to treat each person the way I'd want them to treat me. As my dad would say, they looked at him like a cow looking at a new gate. Like, <laughs> Now listen, listen carefully. Don't you dare misunderstand what I'm saying. We don't live for profits. We live for people. But the most profitable thing you can do is to live for Jesus and live for people. Amen. That is incredibly valuable. It's priceless. And I want to tell you, People who live by the golden rule become known as people who can be trusted. And what is the missing commodity throughout our society anymore? Trust. Who can you trust? Well, I tell you, you live like that and people know you can be trusted. You just let following Jesus that way be your guiding commission. Your career will do just fine. What would this do for your marriage and your family? Husbands, what would this do to your relationship with your wife if you actually did unto your wife what you would want done unto you? Now, you've, you've got to be careful about this. There was a man who went away to a, a men's conference and challenged at the men's conference about loving his wife, affirming his wife. And he left the conference and said, I'm going to do it. He came home, marched into the house. He'd been gone for a couple of days, grabbed his wife, gave her a big kiss, said, Honey, I love you and I'm so glad I'm married to you. And she collapsed in the chair and started crying he said honey honey what's wrong and she said what's wrong I've been here these two days the kids are terrible one of them sick the washer's broken down now you come home drunk <laughs> you gotta be careful What do you think happens between a man and woman 
when every day they try to do for the other what they would want the other to do for them. What's it mean to children who have parents, grandparents? Who actively think of what they could do to assist their child, help their child, encourage their child, their grandchild. What would it mean to children, some who don't have parents, that you may come in contact with if they had someone who cared for them? What would it mean? Lots of opportunities here to do that. Here in ministries on this campus, but in our neighborhoods around us through Cedarbrook Outreach, broken families, hurting relationships, children who need to know their love for who they are, image bearers of God. Someone will show them there's a better way. What would this do, this golden commission, what would it do for your forgiving? Lord, I forgive him as I'd want you to forgive me. I forgive her as I want you to forgive me. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what the Bible says. God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. When Jesus prayed that prayer on the cross, listen, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was praying for you. And are we going to let the sweet, suffering Lord Jesus Christ pray for us from a cross, forgiving us when we so deserve what He's experiencing on that cross? He's taking our place. He's dying our death. He's suffering our hell. Are we going to receive that from His hand and then clench our fists toward others who have wronged us? How dare we call ourselves Christians with that kind of spirit? I think of tomorrow, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. This is one of his great legacies of forgiveness, overcoming evil with good. And I want to encourage you, go out to our website. Terry Cage has written a wonderful, wonderful reflection on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I encourage you to read that. Think about what it means, what's said there about forgiving those who have treated you, your parents, your ancestors even unspeakably badly. What did Jesus say? It is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. Think of the impact on your own life when you share loving kindness. Do you know something? Listen. Loving kindness is its own reward. You, you, you don't become a kind person by doing Bible studies on kindness. You, you don't become a kind person by going to a small group on kindness. You, you don't get recovery from pain by saying, Hi, I'm Sam. I want to be kind. 
No. The impact is in the doing. What, what did Jesus' half-brother James say? It's not the hearer of the word who's blessed. It's the doer. There are some people in this room, I pray by the grace of God, you're going to be blessed this week as you do this. And sad to say, some of you are going to come back next week and the next week and the next week with your spirit clenched and growing older and older and nearing the grave with an unkind life. God, help us to not understand this. What you are doing, my friend, is what you're becoming. You're becoming someone. You think you can go out and live a ruthless life? Return evil for evil? Do to others as you do, they do to you, and you think you can be unchanged by that? You are deceived. You will become a person that maybe someday you won't even recognize yourself. Certainly others won't. We choose what kind of spirit and person we're going to be. You say... How do you do that, Sam? I mean, come on. Open it up for me here. How how do you do this? I mean, Sam, uh, you know, what's it say in the Greek? Here's what it says. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. Get after it. Pray about it, but then take the most important steps of prayer. It's the first step you take when you get off your knees. Go do good to people. It's not rocket science, but it's powerful. When we give ourselves to others, we are the ones who gain. How do we find our life? What did Jesus say? You find your life by what? Losing it. He didn't mean, oh, if you're a martyr, you find your life. That, that could be just a portion of his followers. Yes, what he meant is this. You find your life By releasing your life. That's how you find it. You see, it's upside down. The kingdom is upside down. Well, really, it's right side up. We're the ones upside down. See, we live this way. You got to go after it. You got to step on whoever you got to step on. It's a jungle out there, man. Come on. It doesn't work this way. This is church stuff. Yeah, and that's the reason the church is having no impact in this world for the most part today. Because people go to church and then they don't go practice the golden rule. And people say, it is just a bunch of baloney. There's no power in it. You talk about Jesus... But you don't treat others with kindness and goodness. When we give of ourselves, we gain. Now we've noted the responsibilities of this golden commission. 
we have considered the results of this Golden Commission, but here's the question. What are the requirements? What are the requirements of this commission? There's just one. Only one requirement. <laughs> Only one requirement. The little word, but the greatest thing in the world is what? Love. Love. You want a definition of love? You want a definition of love? You won't find the definition on what's streaming on love songs. Here's the definition of love. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's love. You say, well, I... It, what, I what if I don't feel it? I, I, don't, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Well, friend, listen carefully. First of all, all of us are hypocrites at some level. Just come on, join the crowd. None of us do this the way that we want. But Jesus didn't say, you know, if you feel love for your neighbor, go show him love. No. He's proactive. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the definition of love. This fills full our lives. This fulfills all of our obligations. You say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what's your will for my life? And, and friends, please hear me. The vast majority of what God wants done for, uh, for us to do, His will is already revealed for us in His Word. And, and sometimes we say, Lord, I want you to sh reveal to me your secret will. What I don't know yet, reveal your secret will to me. Well, what, maybe the Lord is saying, how about if you just do my plain will? Then we'll talk about what you don't know later on. How do you do this? <laughs> you love doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. This fulfills our obligations. Listen to what Paul said, Romans 13:10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor. This is Jesus' whole message and the reason for that verse 12. Notice this, if you'll notice this is the last commandment in Jesus' sermon. He's going to summarize for the remainder of this chapter. But his last commandment is this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because that fulfills your obligations as my follower. Live this out. This is the golden commission. One thing, love. But now listen carefully. Love requires a new heart. Because your old heart, the old you, can't love this way. It's not a love that's natural to me or natural to you. It's a love that's supernatural. It's a love that's out of this world. But it has come into this world in Jesus. 1 John. John's disciple, when he was an old man... Jesus' disciple, John, when he's an old man, wrote this. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, 
For God is love. (laughs) James just kind of plain and simple, isn't he? John is plain and simple. What's he saying? Where love is, God is. And where there's not love, God's not there. I've got a question for you. Do you love? Do you practice love? Not saying perfectly. None of us do. But are you a person who practices love? My friend, you may be a member of this church. But if you don't love, you don't know God. You may have made many professions of faith. But if you don't love, you don't know God. You may be baptized over and over again. may be baptized in the river until the catfish know your name. But if you don't love, you don't know God. And friend, I have prayed, I have prayed, I have prayed for this moment that it would be a moment of revelation to your heart, some who are listening, that you would recognize you need to be saved from a loveless, lifeless religion. And I don't care what the denomination is. You need to cry out to Jesus, the Lord of love, and say, have mercy on me. I don't love people. I'm not going to blame it on mom or dad. or I'm not going to blame it on my personality. Lord Jesus, King of love, have mercy on me. Make me a person who knows your love. Do not stop that pleading till God pours his love in your heart through Jesus. Romans 5, 5. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. My friend, do not trust your eternal soul to a religion that has never once ever caused you to live a lifestyle of love. Go to the Lord of love. Ask Him through faith in Jesus To give you a new heart. That his love will flow into your heart. And flow from your heart to others. He will do it. Because whoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sins? Yes. But listen. You know what salvation is? It's saved from yourself we got to be saved from our old, cold hearts, our selfishness, our self-focus, our conditional love for people. We've got to be saved from that. And the Lord will save you completely because God is love. Call to Jesus. Trust Him. Ask Him to pour His love in your heart. And then, friend, ask him for the grace to pass it on. Now that's living. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for your attention this morning. Our heads are bowed. and Dear friend, I'm just going to ask you to search your heart. But don't just think about this moment. Think about your life. 
Do you know love? God is love. You say, my love's gone cold, but yes, I do remember a time when I was fervent with love. Well, listen, my friend, call upon Jesus. He'll stir those embers. He'll flame up. Ask him for a baptism of love, renewing you to live this great commission. Oh, just imagine your life. Imagine what he can do through you as you live this love, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Just imagine. If hundreds of us here this morning, who knows how many listening, would just say, yes, Lord, I will be on mission of doing to others what I want them to do to me. Oh, how powerful. But it begins in your own heart. I can't do it. But the Lord will. He will pour out his love in your heart. Call upon him. Lord Jesus, thank you. You didn't tell us that we had to work this out until you worked it in us. But thank you that you are a God who works in us. And I pray that your love would be powerful today. Draw people to examine themselves. To look for the evidence of love. And Lord, may people here not rest until they know the love of Christ is theirs, theirs to share. May they find that love in Jesus. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.